I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listeners, this episode is about something that literally just happened, um, and I feel inspired to share it with you. I was walking here in the village in which I live near the sea in Australia, and it's a Saturday, so I didn't really have anything particularly planned, and I thought I'd venture down to the north end of the beach, which is a place that I don't usually go. I usually stay kind of in my own locale on the south end of the beach, and these two neighborhoods are very different. But this morning, um, it was just extraordinarily hot. And, I mean, walking in this hot wind felt like what it would be to be in a convection oven. (laughs) And I had this wonderful time swimming in this ocean pool and the waves were crashing over the sides of the pool so it was almost a bit like being in a washing machine and then getting out in this into this heat and uh and then the wind and this hot wind that comes from the west which is the arid part of this continent and so that's where the hottest temperatures are generated and uh, they're carried on the wind through to the uh, the eastern, more eastern parts of the country. So, um, yeah. So I was I was walking, and and as I was, something happened in the weather, which is very interesting. It occasionally happens that something comes through that's called a cool change, and what happens is that that hot wind, in this case, it was from the west, I think, or in the north the direction of that wind shifts almost within a minute and the direction of the wind changes dramatically and then well I think actually what happens is that suddenly there's sort of this pause and then the wind changed I don't know exactly which it was but it's one or the other And the wind began to blow from the south. Now here, the south is the direction of Antarctica and of the colder climes, the cold um, regions of this earth, of this planet. So when the wind shifts from the south, that brings this cold air. So that's what happened um, early afternoon as I was walking. And with that cold wind came some rain, not torrential rain, which would have meant I would have had to have really sought cover. It wasn't that bad, but um, but uh, definitely enough rain that I was looking for awnings and places that I could sort of walk along under some protection. So I was walking along and I was feeling that, frankly, a hamburger would be a really good thing. Now, I don't know if you're vegetarian or not or, or whatever, but I don't eat a lot of red meat, but there is occasion on occasion that I feel like the hamburger is a perfect thing. So I was walking along some of the shops and under the awnings, and there on the ground was a menu. And I looked down, and the menu was had clearly, uh, apparently seemed to have blown from one of the restaurants nearby. And this one 
was a restaurant that specialized in hamburgers. So I hadn't been in that restaurant before, but I, I, I realized that as I began to read the menu. I picked, I looked down, there was a menu on the ground, picked it up, and I began to read. I thought, oh, that sounds like a really nice thing. I think I'll just go into this restaurant and have a hamburger. And uh, so I did. So I went into this restaurant. It was kind of a pub-like restaurant. They sold beer and and drinks and so on, and, and then lots of hamburgers and other kinds of hearty fare like that, chips and and so on. So, and I sat down and uh, and I sat at this round table, a little round table for just one person or two people, but the air conditioning was really, really uncomfortable. It was too cold. I had just come out of this cooler weather that had just happened from this hotter weather and then there was this air conditioning so I just was trying to find a comfortable place to sit. I don't know if I've inherited that from my mother but it would always take her ages to find the right place to sit in a restaurant and sometimes I worry that I have inherited that from her. So anyway, um, but I sat down, <laughs> I sat down at this table and shortly thereafter uh, these this gentleman came by and he said, are you going to take, which seat are you going to take? So I said, I'm going to take this one because I thought it was out of the air conditioning wind. And then he said, okay. So then he and two other friends of his, and they were probably in their late 50s, early 60s, that's my guess, sat down at one of these small tables and began to chat. And it was quite close to where I was sitting, so I could see and hear kind of, frankly, everything. But anyhow, one of the, the gentlemen who had asked me about where I was going to sit pulls out this um, newspaper. And what was interesting is that I sort of looked over and I could see that the newspaper was old. I mean, it wasn't old, old, but it was not a current newspaper. And it was a newspaper. I looked at it and I was he was opening it and going through the pages and talking with his friends about it. And uh, and I looked over and and sort of began to read a little bit over the the uh, distance over his shoulder and trying not to be too obtrusive or um, or rude. But anyway, I was kind of curious. So this newspaper was um, actually called. I could see the the front of it was called Melody Maker. Melody Maker, and I looked and saw that the date of the newspaper was November 20th, 1971. So I thought that's really interesting. So then I sort of was, my hamburger arrived, I started eating my hamburger. And I was listening kind of, I'm always interested in, frankly, people's conversations, I think sometimes are kind of interesting, just to get a sense of what people's lives are like, what they're thinking, etc. So I had the chance to interview a lot of people in my life, and and I just always find it interesting. I, I don't mean to be rude, but anyhow, it's it's interesting. So this gentleman was talking about how he had all of these newspapers um, stored at his house, and how he used to live in Perth. Now Perth is on the other side of the continent, three thousand miles to the west of Sydney, which is where I am, and. Perth is a very different kind of place. You have to cross, I've never been there, but you have to cross the entirety of the, of what they call the red center of Australia, of this incredible, vast 
arid expanse and Perth is sitting on the other side on the ocean, on the Indian Ocean actually. So this gentleman was talking about how he lived there and had all these newspapers there and obviously wasn't living there anymore, but how he lived there and as a result of how dry that climate is, um, the newspapers subsequently really are well preserved. And he always, he'd had these newspapers for, well, from the time when they were published in 1971, he'd have them sent to him from England. And so I found out that the newspaper was English. It was an English publication. And he'd have them sent from England because he was particularly interested in the music of the time. So this is all, I I was learning all this as I was sort of overhearing him speaking. And he said, you know, Perth is such a dry place that these newspapers have been very, very well preserved. And they haven't gathered any mold as they would have if they had been here near the sea where I am and uh, but they have been very well preserved so he said I people would sometimes tell me my family or whatever you know why don't you throw these things out but he said I always just felt like I wanted to keep them so that's what I overheard that's what I then began to inform me about this newspaper and I could see that it was a newspaper about the music of the time so there was, um, so he was flipping through the pages, and I, again, I was sort of looking over his shoulder, and I could see, oh my gosh, I could see all of the names of the bands and the artists and the musicians that were becoming famous and were famous and were playing and well known at that moment of my own coming of age, that moment when I was beginning to listen to the music of that era. Okay, so this is the late 60s, early 70s. This paper was from November 20th, 1971. And as I looked over his shoulder and saw the names, I remarked, I thought, okay, I will just maybe butt in a little bit and you know, introduce myself or something and just say, I couldn't help but overhear your conversation and see this interesting paper. I hope you don't mind, but I'm finding this very fascinating. And so I did. I, I, I said hello. And um, and they were quite, these, these gentlemen were quite happy to chat. And they said to me, well, I said, you know, I'm a musician, I'm a pianist, and I grew up at that moment when that paper was published, at that time, that's when the music that was happening became part of the most formative period in my life. And, you know, they say that the music that you hear in your coming of age is actually indelibly imprinted into the developing cells of your brain. And I tell you that it totally feels like that. Now, if you hear a bit of noise in the background, it's because that southerly change has brought torrential rain, which has just started, and it's a good thing that I actually came inside. But um, So that's what's happening. You might hear that noise in the background. It might even be some hail out there. I don't know. But in any case, so we were talking, and they said, 
well, what was what was the first concert that you ever went to? And uh, immediately I said, I can remember exactly the first concert I ever attended. And I said it was Crosby, Stills, and Nash at the Nassau Coliseum, because I grew up in Westchester County, New York, in the New York City area. And, and it was at the Nassau Coliseum on Long Island, and it was probably in 1971 or 72 I went to see them, and it was incredible. They played until... 11.30 or, or 12 at night. I mean, these concerts at that time went on and on, and it was a time when there was such an amazing creativity and innovation in the music that was being, you know, composed and recorded and performed. And so I was thinking about this. I was sharing this with them. They were looking through the paper. I was looking over this gentleman's shoulder, and I could see that there was an article about James Taylor, and I could see there was an article about Thelonious Monk. I mean, it covered all sorts of genres of music, folk, rock, jazz. There was a picture of Thelonious Monk playing in London. So this is an English newspaper playing in London. And there was the caption that I began. I asked if I could look at the newspaper a little bit more carefully. They kindly said that would be fine. So I could see the caption, and the caption listed all the musicians playing with Thelonious Monk, who was one of the iconic jazz musicians of the 20th century. And the musicians that were playing with him were similarly extraordinary. You had, um, oh my gosh, now I'm trying to remember. Well, there was Kai Winding, who, who... I said to the gentleman, I said, you know, this is amazing. We're sitting here in Sydney talking about this paper from 1971 about musicians who were playing at that time who have obviously made a big impression on all of us because we were probably all about the same age. And I said, Kai Winding lived two doors, two houses from me when I was growing up in Westchester County. And he plays the trombone. He played the trombone. I think he might still be going, but... I always knew that he was a famous, fairly famous jazz musician. And there he was in this picture in this newspaper playing with Thelonious Monk and uh, and some of these incredible, you know, other esteemed jazz musicians. So that was one thing. And then there were ads for huge full-page ads for for a um, an album by Genesis and an album by... Pink Floyd, and then there were concert reviews, and I, the, the, the man, his, Dave, his name was, he, I said, do you mind if I actually just have a look through this paper? I felt like I was holding a part of my own self, a part of my own history, a part of what's gone into forming me. It was as if a time capsule had landed there in the middle of that pub here, near where I live, on this day when I had to find some shelter in a hamburger. <laughs> And it was like this time capsule dropped into um, my midst. And there I was reading these pages that were totally well-preserved because they'd been kept in this dry environment at Perth for most of most of the life of that newspaper and reading about this music that I love so much. And they had lists of, uh, you know, the top 100 or 20 or 50 most popular singles at that time. And there was James Taylor and there was... Um, Carol King and and there was um, 
Rod Stewart and you name it, Genesis, and, and all of these bands that I absolutely, absolutely loved. And so that I told them a story. I told them a story that must have happened about 1971. And I said, you know, it's amazing to see this these reviews of James Taylor's performances and how he's listed on the, the top 50 or top 100. He was probably within the top five. Sweet Baby James, Mudslide Slim, which was, <clears throat> excuse me, his second album or third album at that time. And he was married to Carly Simon at that time. So I said, you know, I will always remember, it must have been in 1971, I said I was sitting on the front lawn of my home, my house there in Westchester County, New York, on Dobbs Ferry, two doors down from where Kai Winding and his his family lived. And I said, I was sitting there, I was probably about 12 years old, and it was garbage collection day. And the old garbage truck came up the steep hill and it approached our house. And one of the garbage men hopped off the back of it. They would have these... Um, I think they're called riding boards or, or you know, where the garbage men stand as the truck is moving, then they hop off to get the, collect the garbage. But as that man jumped off, I actually, I, I began to hear music and realized that there were, there was music coming from a little transistor radio that was hanging from the belt of that garbage collector. And I was listening and suddenly these chords this progression of chords and a melody came to me and I was absolutely captivated. And so I ended up walking, following that garbage truck up the street and that man, as he walked by the garbage truck collecting the other neighbor's bins, I walked behind to hear that music because I couldn't let go of it. I couldn't let go of the sound. And when it finally ended, I was already up the street. Um, I ran back to my house. I ran to the piano. And then I tried to find, by trial and error, I tried to find those chords and that melody, that progression on the piano by ear. And I would soon discover that that song was James Taylor's Fire and Rain. And that those progressions which are so, now so many people have heard, and which are progressions, chord harmonies and progressions that have found their way into many, many other songs. But I heard, I felt like I was hearing them for the first time. And that began to form my own music sensibility, my own sense of what I wanted to be playing on the piano. So those chords became part of my 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 musical life and I started to do songs by ear like Fire and Rain and other pop songs and rock songs and blues songs and so that whole genre, those genres of music that I was hearing entered into my life alongside my classical training and with the classical training that I had and everything that gave me I began to play music that I just heard and loved so much and have continued to to this day. So there I was, I shared that story with these gentlemen sitting in this pub, you know, just an hour ago, eating my hamburger. It was a pretty good hamburger. 
and I apologize for all of the vegetarians out there. I understand completely. Um, but there I was sitting with these gentlemen and looking at this paper and sharing these memories and touching the pages of that paper as if there was a part of me that was being restored. And I said to them, I said, you know, I feel like a part of me has been not just rekindled, but reconnected as if something's been restored to me, regained, given to me, given back, given to me from back when I was that age and that young and formative and listening and impacted and loving the sounds and the music that that were that was coming to me so I had I wanted to get I wanted to share this with you dear listeners because the thing is that the music that we hear in that formative important period of time that coming of age is a part of us and I feel just entirely blessed to have found my way and I somehow don't think these things are coincidences I don't know if you agree but there I was walking under that awning and there that menu happened to have flown on the wind and was there on the ground at some distance from the restaurant and I looked down and it was a little unusual for there to be a a laminated menu just on the sidewalk and I looked down and that was what led me to that restaurant and then to those gentlemen and then to that paper and then to this whole recollection and memory of myself which is who I still am but rekindled now having had that chance to touch that paper from 1971 published when I was 12 years old and featuring all of that music talking about the lives of all of those incredible musicians back then that have become a part of my life over all this time so so thanks for listening dear listeners and I encourage you to cherish the music that you love the music you love is a part of you from whence it comes whatever time it comes, particularly those formative years, and there's something really about that that is just amazing. We can restore ourselves by listening to it. I really think, you know, I have this incredible experience where I've played piano and sung and and performed music for people who are in their 80s and 90s and suffering from dementia, and they can remember when I play, and I play play songs from their youth you see I do that purposefully so that's their youth like from the 30s and 40s and 50s let's say and I play songs Sinatra I play these different songs from even earlier you know the 30s that they would have heard when they were like my age listening to the 70s (laughs) those 70s songs but I play these things for them and they can remember every word they are restored Just like I was just restored in that pub, I've seen it in front of my eyes. They are restored. Their memory is restored. They can sing every word. They dance. They clap. Everything comes back to them. And that is the magic of what music does to us and how particularly that time, those times when we're in our teens and 20s, those early years, teens particularly, I think, when the world is magical, you know, and we're you know, we might find ourselves in love, we might find ourselves smitten with a teenage sweetheart or somebody like, 
you know, our first love or whatever that might be. And we go to our first concert and we sit there and we listen to this music and all of these things are absolutely magical. And so that music, when we hear it, it's as if that comes to life. It comes back to us in this completely real dimensional way. We are restored in ourselves, in our psyche, in our love for life, in our emotions and what everything that we were feeling back then it's all restored it all comes back to us and we are the same person now who we were then and what an incredible incredible thing that really is